Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You guys having a good summer? I can't say it's not summer. <laughs> it's nice and warm. Some of you say it's too warm, but... Uh, 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 uh. My, la my power cord's up here. Apparently my computer died back there. I knew I was forgetting something. Uh, I think Pastor Graham's coming to get it. What's that? Just gets worse. That's all right. God's bigger than all of our mistakes, so Amen. it's all good. Thanks, man. You remember my password? I just texted it to him. He's got it. All right. So, um, yeah, I think I was saying that uh, some of you, I've heard many of you say, it's too hot. But uh, where we moved from uh, five years ago, it's been over five years. Can you imagine? Uh Time flies when you're having fun. That's right. Um, yeah, this was, we're just getting started in heat. You know, this, this was just like, uh, this was a nice summer day back there. So uh, bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Good. Well, um, so next week, uh, we're going to be starting a, a summer series to take us through the rest of the summer. And I uh, just want to do a little, little commercial um, this morning before we dive into our message for today. Um, but uh, the, the series we're going to start next week is called Beauty for Ashes. Beauty for Ashes. And uh, how many of you know all of us walk through seasons of loss, of pain. How many know that suffering is a real part of life, right? And, uh, and you may, you know, we all have different seasons we're walking through. For some of us, it may be a, a season like that for you right now. For some of you, it may not at all. Maybe you're riding the mountaintop and you're doing good and, and you're like, Pastor, we don't need a downer. Don't, don't be all like mopey and sad and do, a, do a, a downer series on us. But you know what? I'm really excited for this series um, because I believe that, um, that of all the answers, all the all the the religious systems in the world, all, the, all the, the philosophy systems in the world, of all the, of all the systems in the world, all the ways of thinking about suffering. And suffering has been one of the, 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 
the issues of life that every major world religion and every major philosophical system has tried to tackle. I believe that Jesus and our scriptures and the Christian faith bring real answers and real hope in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of suffering. Believe of all the ways of thinking about the, the challenges that we face in this world, um, that, that there is hope in the gospel. There is hope in Christ. And, uh, and I'm actually really encouraged to take five weeks starting next Sunday and just talk about the hope of Jesus in the midst of the challenges and seasons that we face. And I hope it's going to be an encouragement to you uh, and uh, I hope that you, uh, yeah, you're, you kind of prepare yourself and dive in with me. It's going to be good. So this morning, I want to talk about um, a God of encounter. How are we doing back there? Close? Good? Um, having trouble finding it? Oh. It's called uh, NDI Converter. Good, good. Um, want to talk about a God of encounter. God is the kind of God who wants you to discover who He is through encounters with Him. God wants you to encounter Him, His presence. His love, His goodness, all the things about who He is. He wants you to encounter Him. Almost everything we know about God, we know from the description of people's encounters with Him. Those encounters had been written down over centuries and millennia, and they became our Bible. This book is a collection of people's encounters with God and what we know about God because somebody encountered Him in some way, right? And those things were captured and written down and we, God gave us a revelation of who He is, not by dictation, not just by, you know, tablets that beam down from heaven, but every one of these things that we understand about God have been worked out in the, the struggles, the challenges, the joys of real life situations like yours and mine. I think that gives our scriptures so much richness and weight and, and, uh, and life because they were lived out in the, in the stuff of life. And we need, to, we need to remember just a little, little warning today as we talk about encounters with God and, and discovering who God is in encounters. We need to always make sure that we keep the Scriptures central, right? Um, if, if someone's teaching, if, if I'm teaching or someone is teaching anything about who God is that doesn't line up with this, then we need to throw it out. We need to question it at least, right? And, and if, if our 
experiences or encounters with an understanding of God that come from our experiences doesn't line up with who we find God to be in here, then we need to question our experiences, right? Because this, we need, to, we need to keep this central. I just want to say that before we dive into this. But, uh, and so the Scripture is our authority for understanding who God is, but it's not the only source of understanding who God is because God wants to meet with you and He wants you to discover Him personally. He wants you to not, not follow some dead religion. He wants you to have a living, breathing relationship with Him where you encounter Him. You may have, uh, if you've been around the church very long and heard very many sermons. You may have heard people talk about the names of God in Scripture. There are well over, uh, well over a hundred names of God in, in the Bible that God has revealed Himself by those names. Names are, names are important in the Bible because they, they reveal something about the person behind the name. That's why Jesus more than once changed someone's name because he's, he said, I want to imprint a different identity on who you are, right? Names matter. And we discover who God is by his names. Every, every name of God reveals something about his nature or his character. God loves to reveal himself to us. He loves for his children to discover something incredible about God that they didn't know before. But he also loves for his children to, to encounter God in a way that a theological truth they knew up here about him suddenly becomes real because they've encountered him. Right? I mean, you can know that God is your provider. You can know that the Bible says God is your provider. You can, you can find all the verses that say it. You can know it, you know, that that's theologically true. But when you get a check in the mail... The same day that your insurance is due and you don't have the money in your account for your insurance payment and the check in the mail is from an unlikely source and it's the exact amount for your insurance payment that's due that day, you know God is your provider. You've encountered His provision. It's not just a theological truth anymore, it's real. And that story is true. It happened to us when we were, we were poor youth pastors and didn't have, you know, sometimes three cents to rub together. Inflation. Used to say two cents, but, you know, it's three cents now. You can't even rub three cents together because we don't have pennies. I have to say ten cents now, two nickels, right? That's real inflation. So, so the names of God, and, and some of you may, again, if you've been around, heard some sermons, uh, you, you may have heard 
messages on the names of God. You may have a plaque on your wall. I bet you a bunch of you do have plaques on your wall with some of these names on them. Right? We say, we've often said Jehovah Jireh, but that's an Englishized way of saying it. But Yahweh Yira, the Lord our provider, or Yahweh our provider. Yahweh Rapha, Yahweh our healer, right? Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh our banner. Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh our peace. Yahweh Raha, Ra'ah, uh, Yahweh our shepherd. Yahweh Tzidkenu, Yahweh our righteousness. Yahweh Shama, Yahweh is here. It's just a few of God's names that we find in Scripture, and they're actually names that humans gave God because that's how he revealed himself to them. It's kind of cool. Right? In that moment, they had an encounter with God and his healing, and so they named him. He, is, he doesn't just have healing. He is healing. He is the Lord, our healer. Right? Because, because they had an encounter with his healing that was so powerful, it actually changed their perspective on who God was. They encountered him, and, and in that encounter, God revealed something about himself to them. Powerful. So we're going to come back to a couple of these examples later But I want to take some time this morning to look at the very first time in Scripture where a human gave God a name, okay? And it's it's the story of Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you want to follow along, you can turn there, otherwise... You'll just be listening to my beautiful voice. So a little bit of background here about Hagar and what's going on before we we read the Scripture. In chapter 12 of Genesis, after God had scattered the nations for their rebellion in chapter 11, He chose one man and his wife, Abram and Sarai, and he told Abram that he would make a new nation from his family, and through that nation, he would once again bless the nations of the whole world, right? All the nations had rebelled against God. They had been scattered. God said, okay, we're going to do something fresh here, and I'm going to choose a man and his wife, and I'm going to start a new nation, they're going to be my nation, and through them, I am going to bless the world. We're going, to, we're going to redeem what has happened here. Um, so Abram has a number of encounters with Yahweh, with God, in the story, as do his children and his grandchildren throughout Genesis. In a number of these encounters, Abram has been told that he and Sarai would have a child, and the first time that God told Abram that, he was 75 years young. 
right? Just ready to start a family, right? And, uh, and so at 75, time was already catching up on him, and you'd think that God would put a rush order on this child, but he doesn't, right? And, and so about 10 years later, when we get to Genesis 16, about 10 years have passed, over 10 years. Abram's now 86, and, uh, and Abram and Sarai had begun to get anxious that maybe God had forgotten his promise, or maybe they were supposed to, maybe they misunderstood, maybe they were supposed to make it happen some way, right? So, so that's where we catch up with them in Genesis chapter 16. It says, now, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her, took to her husband, sorry, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abram is in, uh, sorry, Abram said, Your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Okay? So that's where we find, that's where we catch up with the story. That's the stuff that's gone on, and Hagar is now on the run from Abram and Sarai. And we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, as we as we walk through this story and a couple of and some of maybe the other stories that we're gonna touch on this morning before we're done, we're gonna meet a mysterious figure in this story called the angel of Yahweh in in our English bibles it says the angel of the lord the angel of Yahweh and uh, and you'll notice as we read through the verses uh, in the next few minutes you'll notice that that She's having this conversation. Hagar's having this conversation with the angel of Yahweh. And then when it gets to verse, I think it's 13, um, she calls this same character, the same person in the story, calls them Yahweh. Angel of Yahweh, Yahweh. Well, Yahweh's the name of God, 
Is it an angel or is it God? Right? Have you run across that sometimes in Scripture? Right? And, and uh, most, most scholars say that the angel of Yahweh, when we discover that, when we find that mysterious character in the Old Testament, it is God in human form. It is God showing himself to humans in human form, in a form they can understand, right? The, the word angel here simply means messenger. But this messenger of Yahweh is Yahweh himself, who comes in the form of a person. And, and actually, most scholars also believe this is Christ before he was born as Jesus of Nazareth. It's the second person of the Trinity. It is Christ in human form before he's born as Jesus of Nazareth, right? So that's important to understand as we're walking through this dialogue that happens here. All right? <clears throat> so, Sarah, so Hagar is on the run from Sarai. And verse 7 in verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. So just giving some geographical locations. So the people that are reading this who, who are familiar with the territory, they know that they know this is a real story, right? The angel of Yahweh found Hagar. Jesus is still in the habit of finding lost people. Of finding people on the run from something. This wasn't a happy accident that the, the, the angel of Yahweh was just out for a stroll and he happened to bump into Hagar, right? This, this slave woman, this woman that society had no use for, and the only people who could give her value, her master and his wife, had treated her badly. This, this woman, Hagar, had a destiny for God, from God and he knew at every moment of her life, he knew her GPS coordinates. He knew where she was and at just the moment when she needed clarity, needed to be found, needed to be, um, you know, needed encouragement, needed life, needed hope, at just that moment, Jesus came and found her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar. And he not only finds her, but he knows her name, he knows her job title, and he has a question for her. Verse 8, the angel of the Lord says, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? 
Where have you come from? And where are you going? In other words, do you understand, Hagar, the significance that your beginnings do not have to define your destiny? Where have you come from? And where are you going? You may have come from Egypt. You may have become a slave. You may have been treated unjustly like a borrowed womb. And you may be ashamed of your story up till now, but you have no idea what purpose lies before you. You can almost hear him say, I am not done writing your story yet, Hagar. Where have you come from and where are you going? Maybe someone listening this morning needs to hear that. God is not done writing your story yet. No matter where you've come from, guaranteed He has a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for your life. So Hagar says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of Yahweh replies, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Exactly what she wanted to hear, right? Go back to your mistress and submit to her. Sometimes we try to run from the very things God is using to shape our destiny. We have a difficult situation at work, we have a challenging relationship at church, we have a pastor that drives us crazy. We have struggles in our marriage or family relationships. And we just wanted God to rescue us from this situation. Now, I'm not saying that there's, some time, that there's never a time to walk away from something that's unhealthy. But sometimes God allowed us into that situation because it was the one thing that was actually going to get our attention and teach us to trust Him. Or it was the one environment where certain aspects of our character would be shaved off as He shapes us into the image of Jesus. Go back, God says to Hagar. Go back And submit yourself to the process that I am doing in your life to prepare you for your destiny. Some of us this morning need to be willing to submit ourselves to the processes of God's transformation in our lives. And sometimes that process is hard and challenging and difficult. We'd rather run away. God says, submit to the process. Because I'm doing something in you that will release something through you that will bring about your destiny.
but go back with a promise. Go back with a glimpse of your destiny. The angel of the Lord says to her, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. She had no idea that she had a nation inside of her, that God was doing something that would literally change the face of the earth, that would literally change nations and empires through the baby she was carrying on the inside of her. God says, I want you to go back and I want you to submit to the promise, but you need to carry, or to submit to the process, but you need to carry the promise on the inside of you. Says the angel of the Lord said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your misery. He, he, Ishmael will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Abram, Abram had a nation-making promise on his life. Right? Remember that? God said, I'm going I'm to make your offspring too numerous, for, you know, as, as numerous as the stars of the sky and the, the sands of the, of, the, of the shore. Abram had a nation-making promise on his life. And even though Ishmael was not the son of promise that God was going to use to bring about the Messiah... All of Abram's children actually end up becoming fathers of nations. Abram has Ishmael through Hagar. He has Isaac through Sarai. And he has other sons through a third wife, Keturah, later in his life. All of Abram's sons become patriarchs of nations and fathers of nations. And Ishmael, Hagar's son, had 12 sons who would be 12 patriarchs of 12 tribes, just like Jacob's sons. And Abram's, and, and, and the Ishmaelites that came from, from Ishmael would eventually become the, the Arab clans of today. God had a plan for Hagar. And he lifts her eyes to glimpse that plan. And now she can face the day-to-day hardships because she's glimpsed the fact that God has a destiny and a purpose for her. When you live in difficult stuff, but you live with a promise from God in your heart, it makes all the difference. makes all the difference. And then in verse 13 of our passage, it says, 
She gave this name, Hagar gave this name to Yahweh who spoke to her. You are Elroy, the God who sees me. Wow. Wow. You are Elroy. Literally in Hebrew, the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one, I have now seen the one who sees me. She had a revelation in that moment that God didn't just see her in that moment, but God had always seen her. When no one else saw me, God saw me. When I was still in Egypt before I became a slave, when I was a slave before I became a wife, when I was a wife before I became a mother, God saw me. But now I have seen the one who sees me. She had an encounter with God that gave her a revelation of the one who always saw her. Isn't that powerful? Right? Hagar had never felt seen like she did in this encounter with Yahweh. And it was a defining moment for her life. And from God's side, an intentional moment. He planned that moment. He planned that divine encounter. He planned to reveal himself to her in a way that would change her life forever. And Hagar's encounter is so powerful, it's actually affecting you and me today, 4,000 years later. Isn't that awesome? A revelation that Hagar had 4,000 years ago about the God who sees her. Today, we can talk about this, and some of us in this room are having our, our understanding, our spiritual eyes open to see that God sees you. Our revelations of who God is are not just for us. But if you're here this morning and you need to hear this, you've had moments in your life where you felt like God, like no one sees you. You need to be encouraged. You need to be strengthened that God not only was Elroy 4,000 years ago, He is Elroy today. He is God who sees you. He has seen every moment of your life. The good ones, the hard ones. And he, has he is redeeming every one of those moments to shape you into a, a person of destiny.
The point this morning is that God is not a God of, a, of dusty Bible stories in a thousands-year-old book, but He is a God of encounter. He's a God of encounter. He wants you to discover His love and His goodness and His faithfulness for yourself. He doesn't want you to hear some pastor talk about it and then just, oh, that was interesting, and move on. But He wants you, even in this moment, God doesn't just want you to hear a sermon. He wants you to get a revelation of Him and His love today. I pray that, that God shows Himself to you today. We went out in the streets yesterday. We had a, we had a great day of training and equipping of evangelism, of, of learning how to share our faith with people who don't know Jesus. And a number of us that were here for the training, we went out in the streets just talking with people about Jesus. Our goal wasn't to just stick a Bible in their face and tell them how they ought to live. Right? That's not what evangelism is, or it better not be, shouldn't be. But we honestly and earnestly wanted them to have a God encounter as we shared stories of what God has done for us. Because our encounters are not just about us. One person, as the teams shared after they had their uh, times out on the street yesterday, one person, um, one team shared that, uh, that one lady who doesn't yet know Jesus, we're praying that she will. She doesn't yet know Jesus, but she said to the team that prayed with her and her husband, thank you for pouring your love out on us. Isn't that interesting? Someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, but they understand they were receiving love in that encounter, in that moment. I pray God will open their understanding that they will know where that love comes from, right? But our encounters are not just for us. So we took a deep dive on that one. I want to just touch down on a couple more examples in a much shallower way this morning. And we're actually going to skip one because we only have time, I think, for two. Um, Judges chapter 6 is the story of Gideon. And uh, Gideon, um, if you know... If you're familiar with the story, uh, I'm going to just give a quick synopsis, but, but Gideon, Israelites have been oppressed for a number of years by the, the Midianites in this story. And actually, the Midianites are one of those, remember I said every one of Abram's sons were nations? Well, this is one of those nations, the Midianites. 
And the Midianites now were oppressing the Israelites. And, uh, and so badly that Israelites are... Here's Gideon hiding in a wine press, threshing grain, right? Not the right place to thresh grain, but they're, they're hiding the grain because the Midianites were coming and stealing all their food. So they were, they were, uh, they were hiding doing this. But God, again, the angel of the Lord right, comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, you mighty warrior. Gideon's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just this chicken guy hiding in the, in the wine press, threshing grain, right? And, and uh, but, so, we, we don't have time to go too deep into the story, but, but God says, you're going to deliver Israel from the Midianites. So, Gideon was about to be asked to face a massive force of skilled enemy soldiers with a ragtag group of 300, right? It's one of those crazy God-does-something-that-just-doesn't-make-sense stories in the Scriptures, right? How many know Gideon is going to need an encounter with the peace of God if, if he's going to pull this off, right? He's going to, this is, this is impossible. This is, he's going to, he's freaking out, but he needs an encounter with the peace of God. So to jump into the story as it's, as it's running, in verse 20, the angel of the Lord, so Gideon, Gideon doesn't know who he's talking to. He, he knows this is just some Maybe he's a prophet. I don't know who this guy is that I'm talking to, but he's, he's telling me I'm going to lead this force, and I don't know what's going on. So, so Gideon goes, he says, I want to make you a meal, right? Because that was the Middle Eastern thing to do. You, you're a good host. And so he says, I'm going to make you a meal. Um, and so he brings the meal to the angel of the Lord. In verse 20, the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, take the meal, place it on the rock, and pour out the broth on it. And Gideon did so. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord vanished. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord... He exclaimed, Ah! Is the Hebrew word that we discover here, basically, right? It's in my English translation here, it says, Alas! But it was more like, Ah! Sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, but Yahweh. But the Lord said to him, peace, shalom. He speaks these words of peace to him. Shalom, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it Yahweh is Shalom. pretty serious thing 
when you build an altar to the Lord. This wasn't just a, ah, buck up Gideon, you're going to be okay. Gideon had a profound experience with the peace and the shalom of God in that moment that I believe was not just, you know, to calm him down. Okay, Gideon, you know, take a few breaths. You're going to be okay. He had an encounter with the peace of God that would carry him through everything that was to come. It was so profound, he made an altar to God and named God, Yahweh is my peace. Right? The kind of peace that we need to face the spiritual battles God calls us to can only come from an encounter with Him. God doesn't just come to Gideon and say, count to ten, Gideon. Take some deep breaths. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, but he writes to us and he says, do not be anxious about anything. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? (laughs) Right? Doesn't that sound crazy? Do not be anxious about anything. How many of you are anxious about something this week? Be honest. Come on. Be honest. Right? So was I. Paul gives these instructions. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Which sounds ridiculous if it doesn't come with with more information. It's preceded by the words, the Lord is near. That's the four words. Four words that comes before, do not be anxious about anything. Now, that changes everything, doesn't it? The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And it's followed by the words, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then a couple verses later, it says, Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace. So the peace of God will guard your minds because the God of peace will be with you. The Lord is near the God of peace will be with you. And wrapped between those two statements, we're told we can actually live a life where we, where we don't get trapped in anxiety. Isn't that cool? But it comes from a revelation 
God is peace. He is shalom. I think we're going to, I had, I had a couple more, but I think we're going to, we're going to cut it off there because I want you to, I want you to help me for a moment. Um, I don't think we need this. Um, I want to ask you a question. If you could give, we, we find over and over in Scripture, each one of these names, someone gave God because of an encounter they had with Him. Because of some way that God revealed to them who He was. I want to ask you today, if you could give God one name because of the encounters that you've had with Him in your life. What would that name be? The Lord is love, faithfulness, peace, provider, strength, courage, Redeemer, Savior, everything, protector, healer. Friend, what was the one back here? Big brother, rock. Wow. Now you guys are saying those things not just because they're nice ideas that popped in your head, but... I want, I'll, I'm not a betting guy, but if I had to bet, I would bet that you're sharing those things out of deep resources, deep reservoirs of encounters with Him where He has shown Himself to be something unique to you. It's not just theology that you've learned about God, but it's a revelation that you've experienced in an encounter with Him. Folks, today, I want to encourage you, no matter where you are in your faith journey, and some of you may be not even started on your faith journey. Some of you may be, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a dead-end street somewhere where you kind of got stuck some of you may be doing, you know, just cruising along great. But wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, I want you to know He has a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for your life. And He desires to reveal Himself to you. Just ask. Just, just turn to Him in whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with. Because He desires to reveal Himself to you. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray, 
But even as I'm praying, I'm going to invite the, uh, our breakthrough team to, to just start making your way up to the front. I want to pray for us today, but when I, when I finish praying, I want to invite you If you're in a situation or a place in your life where you just need God to show Himself to you. Maybe it's not anything specific. You're just like, God, I need to know you're there. Or maybe it is specific. God, I need, I know that you say you're my provider, but I need, I need to encounter you as my provider. I, I know you say you're my healer, but I need to encounter you as my healer today. So when I finish praying, I want to invite you to just step out from where you are and come and our breakthrough team believe in miracles. They believe in a God who does the impossible and, and excels at doing the impossible. I want to invite you to come and receive from the Lord today. Father God, I thank you for your love, your goodness, your faithfulness. I thank you, God, that you are a revealer of yourself, that you are a lover of our souls, that you are at work in our lives and you desire to show yourself strong in our weakness, to show yourself as our hope, our peace, our joy, our life. I thank you, God, that you always see us, that you are El Roy. You are the God who sees us in every season. God, I pray for today that you would move in our lives. Pray for those in this room. I pray for those online, God, that, uh, that God, we would truly encounter you today and in the days ahead. Not as some dusty God of the Bible, but as a, a real God who touches our lives in real ways. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that that Jesus is the proof that you're not off in space somewhere hoping that, that it all turns out for us, but you came and you continue to come by your Spirit. So come today and touch our lives, we ask, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Hope you have an awesome day. encourage you to stick around and worship for a moment. If you'd like prayer, why don't you step out from where you are and come. Our team's ready to pray with you, believe with you for breakthrough in your lives.